don't have to like it. You don't have to be happy. You don't have to have perfect emotions, but it's just the realization that in order to get what you want, you're going to have to go through a lot of unwanted experiences. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I've got my partner in crime, the other co-host, Matt Cermak, with me. Oh, we bad. just got off the train of a great interview with mental performance oh, coach on the PJ Tour, Ward Jarvis, his third time on the show. But before we get to that, in case you're new, welcome aboard. Our mission on the part train is to help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course because we believe that if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. Sir Mac and I have lived it, okay? We yeah. interview PJ Tour pros, best selling authors, CEOs, their mental coaches like today. And everyday golfers like you and me and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy, help you get out of your own way, shoot your lowest scores, and finally enjoy the ride. We just want to make the mental game more relatable and accessible so that your guys' games get better. It's that simple. It is simple. But before we get to this episode with Ward Jarvis, quick word from our friends at Roback Performance Apparel Activewear. It's Black Friday time. Heard of them? Early Black Friday yes. access. Our code is normally for 15%. Now it's for 20% for a very limited time. So for all you people that have either fast-forwarded through this before or heard us talk about Roback and haven't gotten anything or gotten Roback before and thinking about getting more, guys, now is the time. If you're ever going to do it, now is the time. Sir Mac, talk about what you're thinking about getting. Look, let's be honest here. I had a confession off air. I don't have... A hoodie. Honestly, unbelievable. <laughs> and, and it's the best hoodie you've ever worn. I've got five of them now. I've <laughs> got the polos. I've got three vests. I'm getting a hoodie for my, you know, maybe ask for it from somebody, you know, hey, get me a rollback hoodie for Christmas. Got to do it. You think your kid looks good in the Ralph Lauren polos? Well, why don't you get him a rollback polo? They're doing a nice run here at Tyler Polos. You know, oh. maybe, maybe our boy Ryan gets one for Willow. You know, the coolest thing about nice. the toddler polos is they match the adult polos. So you want to walk <laughs> out matching your kid wearing a nice performance polo. What's cooler than that? Totally. Get the whole family some gifts. They got a lot of good stuff going right now. Yeah. Tap the link in our show notes. That link will get you 20% off. Um, no need to enter a promo code. Again, that 20% off is in limited time uh, leading up to Black Friday. So do it before their stock sells out and the code and the Discount goes back to 15, but also go through that link, read the reviews, look yeah. at how many people all they wear is rowback now because the stuff is just that good. Everything is stretchy, comfortable. We don't need to go on about it. Trust me. It's the best stuff you'll get. And it's the best gift to ask for or get for other people. Last um, thing I'll say, I've, our recent guest, Joey Bomarito texted me today and said, it's like I'm being hugged by a cloud with my long sleeve rowback polo. I'll just take it from us. Yeah. What more do you need than that? Let's end on that. <laughs> to give you guys some context, Ward Jarvis, we've had him on the show twice before. I'd say if you're looking for like the original story between him and Brennan Todd, PJ Tour Pro, multiple winning PJ Tour Pro, and his comeback of almost quitting the game and then winning back-to-back times on tour, uh, listen to our first episode with Ward. So just go to our catalog of episodes and search um, Ward Jarvis. And you'll find the three episodes with him. But a little context in case you haven't heard, Ward is, uh, has struggled with stuttering 
his whole life and found that the yips and full swing yips like Brendan Todd experienced with the big miss uh, are actually scientifically very similar to stuttering. Um, And so Ward has now, it's an amazing story because he went from that to now being the mental performance coach for Brennan Todd, Lucas Glover, and Jimmy Walker, two major winners. And Brennan yeah. Todd's a multiple winner on the PJ tour. So, uh, I love every time we have Ward on the show because he just, it's such a relatable session with him almost. It feels like, but also like such great nuggets of what these guys are working yeah. on. And I think the takeaway is basics. I agree. Well, it was cool because we kind of ran through, you know, uh, Jimmy Walker, Brendan Todd, and Lucas Glover, a little bit what they're working on together. And then we kind of had this fun talk about Rory. He doesn't work with Rory directly, but Rory is such a fascinating case study um, of all the work he's doing on his mental game. So just an awesome episode. I, it's cool. Ward is so great because he's working with all these tour players, but the way he speaks is really to the average golfer. So guys, mm-hmm. I, you know, this is a fun, fun episode, but like, you're going to get those nuggets. He's got some great sayings, some great slogans um, that'll really pick you up and really, um, I think, help your game. So it's yeah. always great having him on. It's the best. Yeah, love it. Thanks to our boy, Eric Straub, for inter- introducing us to Ward. Next thing you know, he's on the show three times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks to Ward for coming on, as always. Um, WardJarvis.com is a good place to find him. Um, yeah. So guys, as always, thank you for hopping aboard. We hope this has helped you. If it has, Definitely give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot. It helps us out, and it inspires others to hop aboard as well. And um, give us a follow at The Par Train. Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok now. TikTok. We're growing on TikTok. We got over 4,000 followers on TikTok now. We're growing up. And uh, yeah, guys, in case you're having a down day, in case body just doesn't feel right, in case you're not seeing the shots you want to see, Uh, What's the first thing that they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. And for the third time, I'd like to welcome one of our good friends, one of the best mental performance coaches on the PGA Tour, Ward Jarvis. Welcome aboard the train. It is great to be back. One of my favorite places, favorite rides. What's up, Ward? Three times. Really smooth. (laughs) Three Hopefully times? there's no bumps. We got to start off. I know, look, just so people have a little context, Ward, Matt, and I have a text thread. And a lot of times we like to throw just little nuggets in there. Something we hear, something we learn, something we read. And uh, we've been talking about Rory a lot lately. There's been articles written. Ward, you've had a lot of thoughts on his uh, interviews and focus on the mental game lately. Obviously, that's been translating to some results. So we're going to get to that. But uh, I first want to know, I mean, you started with Brendan, right? And if you guys want to hear the full story, listen to our first episode with Ward uh, a couple years ago, I think, at this point. Um, But I want to know, a guy like Brendan Todd, who struggled with the swing yips, big miss right, now he seems to be pretty close up there in contention pretty regularly, um, had his chances to win. I want to know to start today, I want to check in with your current guys and, and your progress as a coach, but what has changed for you as a mental coach from first starting to work with Brendan till now? 
What is the same? What is different? Sure. You know, you people, people ask me all the time, you know, more or less, what does my work look like? And I have to say it's a, it's a little different with, with all players. Yeah. I have an overall structure for me personally that, you know, I want to, uh, the boxes I want to check, um, in getting to know a player and getting to know the, the exact situations that, um, we need to focus in on and um, prepare around. But, um, yeah, you know, with with uh, Brendan, I've been fortunate to be on a three-year journey now with him. And, um, you know, it started out uh, for a brief time, focused around uh, some heavy performance anxiety and uh, uh, situations with the driver, but very quickly uh, turned into just uh, just an ongoing conversation that we had around just, just being his best and accessing his best and developing his best. And just kind of what that looked like um, a lot just off the course and just, just staying structured, you know, with a uh, gr growing young family. And, um, you know, we're both kind of in that same boat together. So, um, you know, that, that, that's that been a fun, a, a fun ride. You know, we'll look at things like stats from time to time and kind of dive in on that. You know, we found some interesting stuff uh, over, um, over the, uh, well, you know, with the tour, the wraparound season, there really is no break. But our week off, we found some interesting stuff from a stat thing. I like to kind of, at the end of the year with all my guys, I like to uh, kind of do a stats review. And, you know, with Brendan, we found something in his wedge play. Like, he was hitting it closer from 100 to 120 than he was from 75 to 100. So we kind of dove into that from an equipment angle and strategy <laughs> angle. Um, that, 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 that was interesting. You know, um, he had a, he had, he's got a club that he loves around the greens, but, you know, because it spins. And, you know, so we kind of uh, dove into the, the practice strategic angle there, you know. So, so, so that's kind of where, where BT and I are at now. Um, practice, strategy. Um, but, you know, this week we just, you know, you never get away from the basics out there. You know, that's that's one of the cool things about working with players at this level, even, you know, with Rory, um, which we might get into. You know, these guys are talking about basic things at the end of the day. Like, what am I thinking over the ball? You know, what's mm -hmm. the best thing for me to think? What's how can I manage my thoughts and just manage the process? So, yeah. no, that's more. That's a great update on BT. But uh well, how about Lucas Glover? You've done some great work with him. Yeah. I think for the listeners, it would be fun for you to just kind of kind of generally dive into the great moment last year when he broke through and won at the, at yeah, the John was, Deere. And you were there. So, there, so maybe uh, talk a little bit about that. First win in, what, 10 years since his U.S. Open? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I told my wife that was definitely, you know, probably the highlight of the year, just the – just the cool kind of being at the deer, um, you know, kind of, it's a smaller venue, um, out there. It was just yeah. being there all, all week. We got to hang out a lot off the course, uh, with, uh, uh, L Lucas and his caddy coop. And we just had a great time, uh, hanging out and, uh, g g got in some really good work in, in practice. Um, you know, just working a lot on alignment, you know, and, uh, again, going back to basics, uh, uh feet you know alignment um allowing him to get his feet in the right place to to, to hit his his patent draw and um you know uh we, we've been working a lot you know over the past uh, year and a half just just on his putting and smoothing some of that out from the mental angle and uh yeah he um you know hung around um to last night on sunday and just 
just uh, went nuclear out there. So yeah, I think it was six. They shoot sixty four in the final round. Yeah, I shot like thirty yeah. on the back nine, and you know, I had a good feeling. I said, you know, I think he's got five birdies. Um, you know, might come back on Saturday, so I was home. But um, but uh, yeah, so he went out. I think he got six. So more um, what what was that? That's, that's, at. Yeah, what a great. I mean, what a cool moment. What was that conversation like with him after when he? He realized he won and, and, and winning in that fashion where it's just like, yeah, when you bird it, you know, from, from where he's been, I mean, how, how cool was that? Yeah. You know, it's kind of a whirlwind because the, they called the charter flight that night to go the British. Um, but <laughs> you know, he sent me a text and just like, you know, how, what a cool experience that, you know, for him, you know, going, you know, you go flying over there with all your peers, you just won. You gotta, I can't imagine you got a 12 hour <laughs> flight, you know, whatever. It's yeah. just like, um, yeah, like going to heaven, right? And so, um, but yeah, just, I mean, just, I mean, he sent me a great text, just, you know, just just reiterating, you know, how good he felt out there. And, um, you know, that's 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 what we play for, for those those moments. Because, you know, as we talk about there, sometimes they can be few and far between. And just uh, persisting and believing in your process, believing that you're, got the right people around you, believing that you're working on the right things. Um, then it's just a matter of keep showing up, keep persisting and um, keep uh, working your moments, as I say. And what specifically with the putting were you guys trying to smooth out mentally? Can you give us a little bit more context on that? Um, sure. I mean, anyone, uh, Lucas is, you know, he's, he's a funny guy and, you know, he's, he's open about it and, you know, we call them the EBGBs, um, you know, and, um, you know, kind of funny story. Um, you, 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 if, if you YouTube, Luke, is, you know, this putt from, from the Wyndham from a couple of years comes up where he literally almost misses the putter. And the ironic thing that he had that. a 12-footer, um, they lagged up there, you know, a foot and a half or two feet. And the 12-footer is for a 59 at the Wyndham. Um, and so he had a little tap in and he hit it kind of went viral. But when we started working together, it's just all about smoothing that out, you know, from the process end and, and just, uh, managing those memories, you know, real funny thing. Um, we had worked for several months before we got together. It was actually at the players last year, kind of together for the first time in person. And I've got this putting drill, right? this putting kind of scoring game I took around, I'll take it around and I'll, I'll talk out loud kind of while my players are putting and just kind of verbalizing. Uh, I do this a lot with juniors around kind of college coaches um, coming to watch them for the first time. It's really interesting, but you know, with Lucas, um, he had just kind of breezed through his kind of short putting drill. And we got to the point, I said, Lucas, have you, have you ever had a putt for 60? And he, and he laughed. He knew exactly what I was doing, you know. And, you know, because most people would say, have you ever had a putt for 59, right? But uh, his kind of one of his main occurrences happened on on a putt for 60, ironically. So, um, but, good. you know, he was able to, that's a good, you know, I'm a big believer in, um, I call it kind of problem solving visualization, that imagery where we kind of refilter through maybe um things that we've interpreted obviously as negative right and uh instead of suppressing that kind of bringing some of those less than perfect moments to the forefront in our prep and um, in practice and then kind of starting our our new process or the process that we believe in from there and kind of re-experiencing it in our memory because you know not only was that a memory you know 
the actual we're creating memories in, in practice of kind of refiltering mm -hmm. those memories. So always good and help, helpful for, for, for the memory brain. So, so that's kind of, you know, a brief, brief shot of kind of what some of that has looked like. Well, it's interesting because we've talked about this with other of your colleagues like Brett McCabe. We talked a lot about, um, you know, sitting with stuff. Sitting um, in it. Yeah. And yeah. a lot Thank of uh, the yips and these, these moments is avoidance, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you kind of spoke to that with the memories as well, even in our lives. Like we suppress things. We try and keep them as far away as possible. Um, but I want to dig into that just for a second because I find in my gut that when people here sit with it, they don't actually know what that means or how to do it. Like, mm -hmm. what does that mean? I just sit with my embarrassment and like feel like I know what embarrassment feels yeah. like. So what are you saying? What are you telling me to do? I, well, I want to yeah, help give people some context. Hard to stop yourself. Absolutely. Do you know, that. Um, you know, I call it, I, you know, I call it sit, sitting in the shit, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, offer um, new parents, you know, go through changing diapers for the first time. And it's kind of like, you know, it's got to be done. You know, the spill milk's got to be cleaned up. Um, but you, you got to be in that moment, right? You can't, you can't just avoid it. You know, you can't just skip over, you know, those unwanted experiences, right? Those mm -hmm. at inopportune times. Um, so I think it comes back to kind of the realization that, hey, um, I'm in this moment. It's okay. I need to complete this moment. And then I can go on to the next. And so I just say, you know, if you're if you're changing a diaper, you want to change it as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And so it's kind of kind of to, to, to your point, Evan, it's kind of I th think that's kind of what we're all getting at when we talk about sitting in it. Um, you know, it's you don't have to like it. You don't have to be happy. You don't have to have perfect emotions. But it's just the realization that in order to get what you want, you're going to have to go through a lot of unwanted experiences and um and just get, getting better with unwanted experiences you know expanding out your comfort zone doing stuff mm. more efficiently you know if you have a bad moment if it can last 20 seconds as opposed to 25 seconds see that as a win and um i, th I think that's what we're all getting at more or less well ward i mean you, you, i love when you say always working on access our best but we can't access our best if we don't understand our worst right absolutely yeah and I think that's for any golfer of any ability, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I talk a lot about just developing out, you know, we, we basically developing out relationships, developing our relationship with our, our best and our, you know, we call that your positive potential or, or capabilities. And, and just as equally important, you know, coexisting with our worst potential, you know, um, getting comfortable around that, that, you know, every time we, we go into, you know, our performance environment. Yeah. You know, we, we want to, we want to, um, obviously we want to access our best, but a lot of times just staying in the game involves, you know, just, you know, you know, having those relationships with both. Right. And, yeah. uh, managing our worst <laughs> at times. And yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, certainly like you said, I mean, it's very powerful, very powerful when you can get comfortable with that reality. Well, it's interesting because, you know, mm -hmm when we talk to coaches like yourself and we break down what pros are working on, 
sometimes the average golfer out there might think to themselves, well, of course they're working on their mental game, right? They got everything else. So the only thing they need to do is their mental game. And we've learned many times it actually works the other way around. You got to start with that and then everything else funnels through it. But what I think is interesting about you, Ward, and your work is you've got two guys with Lucas and Jimmy that I think we can relate to, even though they've won majors. It's got to be so easy for them. You know, we talk about how your A game is probably 5 to 10% of the year. It'd be easy for Lucas Glover and Jimmy Walker every time they play to try and reach for what they had when they won their major. Yeah. Right? And everything else to feel like a failure or that they're not living up to their potential because they've done it before. Yeah. How things used to be. You know, that's kind of the, the, the yeah. language, right? How it, do you guys talk about that stuff? How important is that? Because it's, it'd be easy, to your point, a second ago, you, you look at every little things as a win, right? But if you're constantly measuring yourself up to your greatest achievement, everything will seem as a loss. So how important is that for you guys in your work? It's very important. You know, I always kind of go back to the saying that um, no man steps into the same river twice because it's not the <laughs> same river and we're not the same man, you know. Um, and I like that, you know, you, you know, you see it, you know, you see it across the board, you know, on tour and, um, you know, a lot of what Jordan went through the past, you know, five, six years, you know, just, you know, do I go back to the player of the past or do I, you know, figure out how to be the best Jordan Spieth of, 2021 and obviously you know he's done a fine job of that but he had a lot of unwanted experiences in 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 getting there you know um so yeah i think that's something that we're constantly always uh always managing but you know life changes it changes for us all you know we get into a new career you know new family situation new growing family, you know, it's just, life is never really the same, you know, but we're trying to do the the, the same things, uh, you know, nevertheless, you know, um, so that's a, that's a big part of it. Before we go on to Rory, I want to hear just from Jimmy, I want to get a quick, like, what's the focus for him right now? I know he struggled with Lyme disease for a little while, um, which that's tough. I always find that your health right? If you're not feeling good, your mindset's a whole, it's another, it's easy to feel victimized and it's totally tough. So I'm curious with Jimmy, I assume he's on the other side of it now, feeling much healthier, more energy, but what are you guys working on that? What's the focus with Jimmy Walker? And he showed some signs last year, as we all know. Jimmy's definitely trending in a, in a great direction. Um, um, you know, we, worked a lot of on short game stuff um uh, between the two of us he's working super hard with um cam mccormick on his golf swing kind of uh change some patterns around um but it's 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 looking great you know he's just uh just a couple perhaps just a couple shots couple drives um under the gun uh, away from i think really the floodgates opening and we're going to see some some golf comparable to you know, what he did, you know, around 2016. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, again, just going back to the basics, um, talking about our process, talking about the journey from the range to the course and, you know, just, you know, whether it's visualization, practice, uh, 
you know, developing, you know, just developing out the right practice scenarios for the exact issues on the course. So, but really excited the way he's going, just, just encouraging him to, to uh, persist, you know, stay the route. And, but yeah, like you said, Ev, I mean, you know, health issues are, can, uh, can change things up for, for everyone, you know, how we're yeah. perceiving things and, uh, and that that's kind of the journey he's been through. So that's where I wanted to go next, actually, with the word persist, because as Ev said, us three have been talking about Rory a little bit, and we want to talk a little bit more about, you know, his journey the last couple of years and what you've kind of taken from it and learned from it and put into your, you know, teachings and work. I mean, there was a quote we have with Rory, you have to persist, 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 persist until it turns around for you. And Ward, I mean, it's really, Rory's fascinating because it's, he's really gone deep into his process, mental process, physical process. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember that article from a couple of years ago, meditation, juggling, mm-hmm. you know, so you, I mean, you've been through it with BT and you're going through it with some of your other guys. Like when Rory's the best player, like the best player of our generation, but we always have high expectations with him. So yeah. But what is it about persist person? Like, how do you know when you're on the right journey or you've got to tweak it? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a great, um, a great interview with Rory um, uh, a year or two ago in the Irish um, observer, you know, it's just covering his whole life, you know, kind of his experiences he had at Port Rush and kind of the disappointment in that British Open, you know, all the stuff he was doing off the course, you know, just the inputs. And, you know, Rory's a fascinating case study because he's just, he's an open book, you know, he kind of speaks his mind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always tell my juniors, you know, when, you know, when a guy's like that, pay attention because he's give, giving you gold, you know, he's giving you his mind, his, his outlook. And, um, you know, I'm always, I'm always fascinated with people who are willing to look outside the box in order to get better in, in their box, as I call it, or performance domain, you know, and uh, Rory's definitely one of those guys, you know, I think of, you know, I think of like Nick Saban, you know, at Alabama, you know, how he cast such a wide net in his program, you know, Dr. McCabe's talked about that, you know, just, mm-hmm. just, uh, he's got so many angles covered, you know, and just in preparing those guys, you know, for, for to win championships and uh yeah you know rory's like that you know he 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 talked he talks a lot about his three p's of perspective um poise and persistence and um you know how how if he can manage those you know that's that's what he uses to keep himself centered and um maintain that peace of mind that's that's uh, required to to be his best you know but you know, aren't we aren't we always fascinated with what eludes our legends? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, April will be coming up soon, and you know, the Masters will be Rory's eighth attempt at closing out the Grand Slam. You know, he's been open, you know, and talking about that. You know how, you know, if he can do that, he'll, he'll finally feel like a complete player. You know, yep. um, can perform and um, you know, in different types of courses and environments and. You know, in different seasons of life. And, and so, you know, from the golf angle, it's not, it's not super mysterious of, you know, what that's going to take for Rory. It's going to be putting, you know, obviously when, when Rory wins, he usually, you know, he's exceptional in putting for the week. Yeah. Wells Fargo number one for the week in putting. So he's known to, he's known to pull a wedge shot or two crazy. Right. And so 
that's something up here, right? That yeah, Rory McIlroy. But for the listeners right. out there, like you know, and I, think I think he's turned into his mind. You know, yeah. I mean, he he has several interesting issues um, this past year. Of course, he's been dealing with COVID, and his coach Michael Bannon was stranded over in Ireland and couldn't get over. So he works with Pete Cowan. And kind of, um, you know, went through questions about his driver. You know, should I should I go away from my patent and draw? You know, right. from my, um, you know, he's got a great there's a great article. You can look that up where he talks about you know maybe playing exclusive, you know, exclusively in one direction. Maybe left to right is is where it's at. You know, with the modern golf ball and modern equipment. Um, um, and I think, I think those are all fascinating. You know, especially from the well, mental angle. You know, yes, yeah. first the the big overall, you know, direction and philosophy. I think those are, um, are great. You know, with putting, he's, he worked a lot with, used to work a lot with Dave Stockton, who's always a great interview in putting, um, worked a lot. He's worked a lot present uh, currently with Faxon, who's, you know, a fascinating guy and, um, great, you know, great instructor. Um, so. Well, Ward, Rory said this year, I mean, he got to the point where if I'm going to hit a draw off the tee, I'm not hitting a driver. Right. Yeah. He's, he yeah. said, I'm, hit, I'm hitting it through it. And this is the open book of Rory. And for ever, all the listeners, like, wow, we all go through that. Cause I, yeah. I'm actually the same way. I cannot hit it. I mean, I'm never comparing myself to Rory, but like, I can't hit a draw well with the driver. So it's like, if it's a draw hole, I'm like, I, uh, give, I'm not doing it. Like, right. that's Rory. That is such yeah. the open book we love. Right. Like, yeah. It's so like, <laughs> you know, I'm 44. So I, I quit playing, playing competitively, you know, about midway through college. And uh, I tell people, you know, the, all the equipment was changing right then. And I came back, you know, after school and everything, when I finally started playing a little more and the driver just never felt, you know, never felt right. It still hasn't really felt right in my hands, but it's more like a three. When I stand over a three one, I'm like, oh, that that's that's the driver I used to know. You, know you missed the, the 975 title is D, right? And now I read these interviews with Rory. I'm like, <laughs> even Rory goes through that, you know, it's like this ball won't spin. And when it does spin, it's not spinning well you know but uh yeah again going back to the basics i mean the greatest players in the world facing same type of performance questions and issues that 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 uh, all of us are on the ride right? it seems like dj is almost the uh exception with switching to a cut and then that being his thing and that unlocked a lot him but it seems yeah. like more times than not most guys usually come back to their natural flight and just say okay i'm gonna stop trying it's less efforting it's more allowing mm -hmm. right um and of what's natural for them yeah yeah you know dj says what well, does he say the most important thing when hitting a cut is to hit a cut you know, I mean, just uh, so elegant with words, right? I mean, obviously, <laughs> with, yeah, it, it, it helps always help that cut to carry it 322. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the thing with Rory is, too, when he was winning all his majors, he was the greatest high drawer in the world. Oh, yeah. His swing was a little smoother, a little looser, and just, and it's, yeah. he's still, I mean, he just got his 20th victory, but like, it's yeah. interesting to think about the high draw is the hardest shot in golf, and he was just doing it on call. Yeah, you know, I, I and I think it's actually back to that. I mean, I, not, I know he shot what six hundred yesterday in Dubai, and um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think driver is going to be an issue for Rory. Uh, you know, move moving forward, I don't think that that's really the thing that's going to be holding him back. If anything, so let's let's do a hypothetical just for fun. 
Ward. Um, Rory's going to the Masters, and actually, so am I. This will be my first Masters I'm going wow. to in April. Um, I only, I only something get Rory and I have in common. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think about this stuff because now through this show, I've been lucky enough to coach a few, you know, everyday golfers, and I've talked to you, Ward, about some of that. And, you know, so every time I think about these scenarios, I think about what I would say or how I would go about helping it. And it's fascinating to me. And so uh, I find it very interesting as like a hypothetical coach for Rory McIlroy going into Masters Week. I know he's talked a lot about treating every tournament the same, but there's also an element of, you know, acknowledging it. We go back to the suppressing, right? We know it means more to him. It may not be productive to act like it doesn't, but what can we do to manage the nerves and the moment and the meaning of it while we play? Because I find that if you know that you win when you putt well, putting is not something that you can force, right? It's a pure motion. It is a committed, let it go, pure motion. And if you're trying to make them or you think you have to make them, it's very hard to. So walk me through maybe some keys that you think would be helpful if you were talking to Rory before the Masters to try and help him do the thing that he probably cares about the most? Sure. Um, you know, several things. Um, you know, first off, I think I would want to talk through the things that, that do bother him. You know, there, um, you know, he talked in Vegas after his win, he said, you know, I didn't have to be bothered. There wasn't any grain in the green. So I didn't have to be bothered or worried about that. Um, and obviously he's number, yeah, number one that great way. feedback. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, different things bother us, right. In different scenarios. Um, so you want to be clear on what irritates you. I call them useful irritations to kind of structure your attention, um, for the week. Um, you know, I would probably look at some stats and look, you know, talk about three plate avoidance and just managing, you know, kind of your focus around that, you know, make sure we really spend some time with lag putting, you know, around Augusta and, um, you know, it just, it comes down to it, right? You know, can, can he putt well on the, the week of the year with the most pressure and the most difficulty on the greens? And so, you know, I think, um, you know, one of uh, Rory's talked a lot about Ryan Holiday and, you know, rereading his books, you know, and one of the things he said he had learned from is the importance of uh, removing yourself from situations. I think what he was getting at is like mentally, like, you know, when we're out there, when we're out there playing, we have to kind of remove, remove ourselves mentally from, from getting wrapped up in, in the big, the big meaning that, you know, right. That that's being attached, you know, wanting it, you know, um, you know, working, working around that, you know, Justin Thomas talked, you know, earlier before the, in the player for the players championship, that that was one of the big things, you know, it's just, that's a course that really makes you want it, you know, and uh, having to manage that for 72 holes. So, um, you know, just going in there, just, you know, working on your, your focus for the week, your concentration on the greens, talking through scenarios that where that's going to be front and center. And, uh, you know, one thing, you know, I would just, um, uh, from the pep talk angle, you know, he said things kind of changed for where he said in 2018, um, at the, at the play, at the tour championship, when he was with Tiger, when Tiger had his first win, we all remember that, but yeah. Rory shot 76 that day. And he says, you know, things changed for me. He says, 
what bothered me the most about that day is that I didn't make him earn it. I didn't make Tiger earn it. So I would just say, you know, Rory, let's go to the Masters and let's make everyone earn it. You know, right. if, if you make them earn it for the way you should have a great chance at the end. Yeah. Lord, I, you said something really interesting about irritation. If you were coaching Rory or coaching your BT or, or Jimmy or Lucas before a tournament, and you guys were prepping out there, would you ask them, hey, what do you think is going to irritate you this week? You know, it's always this balance of positive and negative that you do, right? But you're so good at kind of talking about you got to embrace this negativity in its own way. Yeah. But is that, would you want to identify that first? Because, you know, could oh, be yeah. you know, you talk know, about that. You're not, I, mean, I mean, obviously, we got things that bother us. So, you know, I'd say clarity on those things front and center, you know, leading into the event, you know, uh, preparing, you know, is it course setup, is it mentally rehearsing? Okay. How yeah. am I going to work through these agitations? You know, um, so if I don't get off a good start, you know, how do I keep myself in it? So, yeah, I mean, one, in one way or another, that's going to be front and center, um, in, in the, in the, the conversations or at least the attempted conversations. Because if you're a natural drawer, like Lucas, and you've got, you know, th two or three, you know, fade holes in a row, you know, you know that in the practice round, you probably got to talk about that, right? Like, Oh yeah. I mean, like, it, cause if you, cause if you don't, and then you try to overcompensate, right? Like just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, players, I mean, if you don't, that, that's kind of what a lot of the shorter players on tour face, you know, those issues, um, yeah. you know, um, like we faced an issue at, um, like with BT, I mean, obviously he doesn't, he's not like Dustin, so he doesn't hit, hit it as far. So his patent kind of fade, um, comfort comfort spot is is um you know like last year we were talking at olympia fields you know on the 18th hole had this huge tree that the bombers just carry but brennan kind of need to kind of hook a three wood around it you know um and so obviously for a guy like brendan at augusta that's kind of front and center is like hey let's don't get away from our bread and butter just to just for one week you know i mean and, and at the same time, let's manage our emotions from the standpoint. Let's don't be overly hard on ourselves when mm -hmm. we're playing a golf course that, you know, is very challenging, you know, just from the visual standpoint, because it, it doesn't set up great. Yeah. Yeah. I think something you talked about that struck me, Ward, is something that we've talked about a lot and I've heard other coaches talk about. And I think Dr. McCabe talked about an example where he you know, coaches the Alabama athletic program and was talking about his work with gymnasts, right? And I think they're some of the best in the country. And I think they talked about going to put on a show, right? And I yeah. think about that. And, and Sermon and I talked about like enjoying the hunt, um, like before my member guest, that was a thought that I had. Yeah. And it's a way of tricking yourself into playing offense. Now, what I, I say this a lot, but it doesn't mean aggressive or going at pins, but it'd be really easy going back to Rory for a second. It's easy for Rory to have all of this defensive energy. I don't want to blow it. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to shoot myself out of it. I want it so bad that I focus more on the meaning than what I'm actually doing. And then I end up becoming defensive without even realizing it. Right. Yeah. And it's how can you play offense while still being smart? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I was really moved by Rory's interview after the Ryder Cup and the emotion and the disappointment he showed. And, and you know, shortly after that, you know, he was even quoted saying, you know, a lot of 
sometimes I think I'm too easy on myself, you know, a lot with, and we've kind of talked about this separating, you know, the performance aspect from just the identity aspect and Rory mm-hmm. as the golfer versus Rory as, as a person. And, you know, um, I talk a lot about that often in terms of like, you know, I don't, I'm not convinced that we have to separate the two. Mm-hmm. Um, so long as, you know, I think we're all performers. Everyone's a performer in the sense that we're all goal oriented. We all, you know, have spaces in our life where we're intentional, right? Whether it's relationships or, or you know, um, jobs or work, you know, the sports that we love, you know, um, you know, the things that we love and are passionate about. And so any anywhere we're being intentional and developing goals to get better and, you know, make things smoother, I think we're performing. You know, that's the way I look at it. And so I think it's safe to not separate the two as long as you don't confine your identity to one performance. Um, I think that's where we can get in trouble, you know, especially with, you know, sustainability issues, longevity, just keeping our life together off the course. You know, obviously, you know, Tiger, Tiger and Tiger's bio is the best case study in that ever. You know, he was prepared from day one for you know, kind of exclusively for one box, as I say, and one box only. And, you know, um, you read, you read his bio and it's talking about conversations he would have with, um, with Mark Ramirez's wife about just how do I trust people, you know, and, you know, you know, trust anyone versus, uh, you know, developing out relationships and stuff. And so, you know, th- that's a lot of the stuff, you know, that, that, that people are dealing with, I think. And, you know, it just comes back to, um, you know, realizing that, um, you know, the intentionality, you know, that you're, you're developing in, in your preparation and your performance. And just as Rory says, just just staying centered. Uh, well, staying centered. But but he but, but also, you know, and, um, you know, one of my favorite sports writer, Wright Thompson, um, McCabe's talked with him too, and he talk, talks about the mask eating the face. It's an old kind of um, concept from the, the, the Catholic monk, um, Thomas Merton, you know, protecting ourselves enough to be great at our craft, you know, and not letting that mask that everyone has to wear, you know, in a sense, you know, you got to, something bad happens, you know, going on with your kids and you got to step into work, you know, and do your job, you know, and, stuff like that, you know, everyone goes through that to, to a certain degree and certain, a certain level of intensity. And, uh, Hmm. you know, it's certainly applicable to, um, to the best golfers in the world. Yeah. Well, Ward, we talk about being intentional. I mean, the highest performers in the world, whether they're golfers or business people just really have the best processes, right? Like they're so in tune with their process and Rory's, I think is a great example. And you know, he cut out dairy, started doing meditation. He realized drinking a glass of wine at dinner before a round was actually <laughs> messing him up. And as we all know, the hardest thing about golf is every day is a new day and every day you feel different. So, and so how can we get to a place where we feel more consistent every day? Like it, we get closer yeah, to that yeah. perfect feeling. So I know you work on that with your players, but it, it's a lot of things, right? Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's definitely the mindfulness angle. You know, I know Evan, I think, said a couple of episodes ago, I was listening to, and, you know, you said golf is mindfulness, isn't it? It's, it mm-hmm. is a mindfulness exercise. You know, the you ultimate. may go the course with, you know, 12 different random thoughts or issues <laughs> in life, and, 
it just demands exclusive focus and concentration. You know, Rory's talked about that. He said, you know, one of the things about Augusta is just that one lapse in concentration, you know, least an easy double bogey. And so yeah. maybe, you know, just saving strokes that way is just, you know, making some good bogeys, you know, that keeps you in it. You know, you seem to lose more there with a double than, than you do a bogey. And so, um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, I definitely talk a lot about mindfulness and meditation and, um, you know, I basically see that as just practicing exclusive focus, you know, but anytime we're exclusively focused, that means that we're ignoring a lot of things yeah. potentially in the environment. And a lot of those times it would be a lot easier if those things didn't feel really relevant to, to, to us. And yeah, it kind of, kind of goes back to the big picture. Right. And, um, and so, you know, that's, it's definitely an interesting way to look at golf. And, you know, I think any, any serious golfer can identify with that. I think a lot of what you're saying too, Ward, is like the stuff that you're talking with your guys about on tour, a lot of times is very, people may not classify as mental game stuff, right? It's strategic. It's shot making. It's course management. What I pull out of that for the listener to kind of sum it up for them, to me, that is very, you're focused on doing. You're focusing oh, on absolutely. execution, right? Like, what is our plan? And then to your point about having a very singular, exclusive focus on execution, now there's not as much room for what it means. And that's where the anxiety comes in, the avoidance comes in, the holding on. If you become really focused, no, of course, that stuff comes and goes, but then that's where you key in on not trying to suppress it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. that old pattern of performance anxiety. It's like when you're out there, like for the average golfer, is my mind clear and is this the right decision? Yeah, and just and just uh, committing to that. But um, there's always stuff to manage. Those things change. It's all about the person in front of us. You know, as coaches, our job is to figure out what makes that person most comfortable in that moment. You know, and golf's tricky because different things, different even even from the degree to what we're thinking about in terms of our target can be um, for some, you know, if you tell some people to focus on make, make your target as small as it can be some for some people that makes them comfortable and it frees them up. You tell it, you tell it to another person and you are creating tension upon tension upon tension. Yeah. And so it's, you know, as coaches, that's one of the cool things, you know, we really get to get, get in there and figure that out. You know, what, what are the type things um, that are going to lead to this person being comfortable in this environment for this situation? You start with a framework, of course, but there's a lot of trial and error, you know, and I always tell my player like, okay, what are our options? Let's, 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 let's see a blank table in front of us and let's, let's start putting options on the table. And then we'll go through the process of filtering out, filtering out the ones that I don't think that'll work. You know, I don't, I don't think that'll work as good as this. And then all of a sudden we have clarity of, What's in front of us? Um, what's going to help us uh, take care of the the moments that are going to lead to to the wins, the championships? You know, small wins leading to big wins. So, what what is a quick example of that? Like, maybe outline a couple options that are in front of us, and maybe the clarity that you reached from that, like give people a little context yeah. of what you mean with that. Well, a word I often use is just temporary. You know, when we're talking about focus, you know, focus requires us to, to say no to certain things, requires us to ignore certain things. But 
we're, I think it's helpful to see that it's, it's just temporary neglect, right? It's, you know, if, if, if I'm at home doing a session and my little girl starts banging on my door, wanting my attention, the fact that I ignore her doesn't mean that she's not a value in my life and I cherish her and can't wait to spend time with her. But in that moment, I'm ignoring her, right? The fact when, you know, if Rory's out there competing in the Masters and, you know, the thought of winning the Grand Slam comes across, it's not that he's, that hurts him in general to think about, but it's, it's in that moment, you know, he's got to remove himself, you know, in his big goals and his self-analysis. It's kind of the separation between the doer and the observer, judger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in, in flow psychology, you know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, the, the traits of flow, you know, one of them is, is the loss of self-consciousness. Um, it's not the loss of consciousness. There's a big difference, you know, but it's, it's that loss of, you know, self, self, you know, if we look at the self in terms of like our capabilities, our goals, long-term goals, you know, just our outlook on us, you know, that has to be temporarily neglected and, and ignored. Because in, I like to say, let's be real task oriented, task focused. Yeah. And, you know, w- another element of flow is kind of the merging of, of task and person, right? If, if the fighter jets fly in the plane, like that, the, 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 the wheel is a, is an extension of himself. You know, the golfer, the club is an extension of the, of, of the golfer. Because um, you know, as human beings, we, we, we've got this incredible kind of capacity to kind of take on the perspective of other people's other people's perspectives on our behavior and if we do that at the wrong time or for too long I mean that can be very detrimental to our to our performance Um, yeah Lord I think I love it he's a task or like every shot's a little job right or a little project yeah and when I I play my best golf when I treat it like uh, you're like okay like how am I going to get an A on this project clear mind clear thoughts have the right plan Execute it. Yeah. Um, What's my job? Yeah. Yeah. You know, give yourself I'll, the I'll best chance people, to get an A. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I go back a lot to just reminders. What type of reminders are we giving to ourselves? You know, at the end of the day, it's all about communication, right? Um, communicating, especially in golf, you know, it's, it's the ultimate self-leadership, the ultimate communication, self-communication. Like, what am I, you know, what's my brain telling me and what am I telling my brain? Um, you know, um, and so it's, it's, uh, what are we reminding ourselves of, you know, because I think under pressure, we, we forget basic, we forget basic constructs, right? So if we, you know, if we can write those down just to be quickly, efficiently, you know, triggered that, okay, to remind myself that of what's, what's best for me in this moment. I, this always happens with us, Ward. We start talking, suddenly it's been 55 minutes, 50 <laughs> minutes. So I know we're almost at time. But I want to end maybe on talking directly to the 15 or 12 handicap, right? Like I said at the beginning, someone might be listening that thinks that it may not apply to them as much because they don't have the physical tools and they might not understand the cascading effect that what we focus on matters a lot more than what we think. Um, I, we just had... Um, Jeff Pelizero on from 18 Strong, really into golf fitness. And I talked about the example of going into a workout thinking, God, this is going to be like so hard. I remember that one time I did this workout, I felt like I was going to throw up and it was miserable and I really don't want that again. So the entire workout, I'm defensive and I'm fearful of maybe feeling that again. Or one little shift 
And I say to myself, pain is weakness leaving the body. (laughs) And I know it's silly, but suddenly, if I keep thinking that, suddenly I had the best workout of my life, you know? And so I just want to give you the floor, maybe something that you think uh, the average player might not be thinking of or something that might help them in their mental progression. We could ask ourselves, you know, why am I out here? Why am I playing the game? And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's, you know, we can play for different reasons, right? And that's perfectly okay. Like, you don't have to, um, you know, say you're a successful business owner and you retire and now you got this extra time. A lot of times we can, you know, really self-induce a lot of pressure around like, now I got time, so I really better be good at golf, right? Yeah. And so you kind of have to ask yourself, okay, maybe my reason for playing is not so business oriented now. Now it's main, main, now it might be for for learning, learning new things, you know, learning new ways to get better, learning. There's always something to learn in this game. Uh, there's always something to figure out. Um, and so kind of embracing that aspect of it, you know, um, you know, especially if you're a higher handicap, sometimes, you know, a good swing tip and, you know, all of a sudden you go from a 13 to a 10 and, and now you've got to kind of learn new things because you're, you know, maybe on the green more, you know, have more par putts, more par putts that, you know, matter. And uh, so, you know, it's just, it's, it's okay for your reason to play the game changing. Um, And so just developing some clarity around that, I think, you know, is always kind of um, helpful, you know, to kind of produce the type of experiences that we're looking to have, um, no matter where, 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 how good we are, you know, um, and, you know, I mean, everyone, everyone is successful somewhere in their life, you know, and, you know, taking some of those principles that have led to that success over into golf, you know, can be, can be an interesting um, angle and outlook to take. Well, we're just to add to that and to end our boy, Eric Straub, look at his journey, right? He's playing Absolutely. the best golf of his life the last couple of years. He's found new purpose in his life and clarity, right? He, he's a plus four, right? Like. Yeah. And he might practice less than he did, we did when we were in college, but yeah. right. Understanding your journey and your purpose, you know, it's amazing what he's yes. done. And uh, just, you know, managing your expectations, right. <laughs> um, that's it. You know, that's it for the average golfer too. Right. It is. It is. And so you don't have to have one reason to play. You don't have to beat yourself up. You know, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, I love, you know, just going out and, playing three holes, playing four holes, you know, and, you know, um, there's, there's a, a lot of ways to enjoy this game, even, even if we're struggling, you know, um, and again, reminding ourselves that, Hey, we may be in a great place, even if our golf game's not, um, mm. that's, it's hard when, when you're mm. playing and, you know, it's, it's, mm. it's very hard, um, you know, when you're, when you're struggling on the golf course to just get lost in that, but yeah. improvement's it's always around the corner, right? That is right, but so under, understanding that. that keeps us coming back. Well, remember what Ward just said. I mean, think about it. So many of us golfers, you talked about the 13 to a 10, right? We complain that, okay, I, was, I used to be really good at putting, but now as a 10, I'm missing a lot of putts, or I'm three-putting, and now I think I've regressed. But if you're not clear on where you've been and where you are, no, you're actually just in more opportunities. This is now a new opportunity to think about your putting differently or maybe focus on your short game more when before, you know, it's, it's a very different, it's very slight 
uh, tweak, but it's an entirely different energy and feeling of feeling like I've regressed versus a new challenge. And I know that sounds cliche, but that's what the best do. You know, the best don't shy away from challenges. They actually get excited about something new to tackle. Again, going back yeah. to like, let's put on a show, let's play offense, let's bring it on, you know? And that's how you get out of the, the defensive play and the self negative self-talk and all that stuff. So thank you as always for coming on. We love having you. In case you guys aren't you. following Ward, follow him at WJarvisCoaching on Instagram and Jarvis-Coaching.com. Hey, Evan, it's uh, WardJarvis.com now. The, oh. the, the, the new website is up. Finally. Did it just change? It, it just changed. Uh, here Everybody Ward go to WardJarvis.com. Right now. WardJarvis.com. Love it. Anything else that we didn't harp on enough or that you want to – anything we missed? Oh, it's always great to be with you too. Keep up the great work that you're doing and I'll be following along. And uh, yeah, I'm in Paducah. I tell people it's two hours from Nashville. That's kind of how I'm describing it these days. So <laughs> hop on a jet and come to Nashville and come see me or I'll, I'll, I'll come see you. We Love should it. get the private jet out, sir. We should. It would be nice. We should go to Nashville, <laughs> maybe get a private driver, have us take us to Paducah. We should, we should do that. That'd be fun. Is yeah. it called Southwest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ward. Always a pleasure. See you, Ward. See you, guys. See you.